Brian. I can't believe we got him. We got him on the show. It's so exciting. Uh, let's just talk about our beer really quick because I really want to get to talk to the guest. Yes. What yes, are you yes, drinking? I just got bush lights. I'm still trying to go through my fridge from the float trip. So cool. I am finishing up uh, classic amber from Barntown, and then I picked up some Ellie's Brown from Avery Brewing in Boulder, Colorado. Let's oh, crack nice. into it. Yeah. Let's go right ahead. Oh, Cheers, man. buddy. Cheers. I got beer all over my mouse bed. All right. So we are super excited. We have an, a guest tonight, and we're very excited to interview him. You may know him as the three-time winner of the Teal Cup. You may also know him as the guy who played in the second division of Australia's Premier League. You may also know him as the guy who got his master's degree in Switzerland. If you don't know that, think on this. This guy has been to every corner of the world. So if you are thinking to yourself today, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? This guy knows where she's at. He has all the answers. Ladies and gentlemen, and everybody else, please welcome Peter Marlette, the general manager of Union Omaha. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on. It's, uh, it's an honor to have you with us here, and hopefully we won't ask you anything too crazy today. Hey, I'm, I'm totally comfortable saying no comments, so don't, <laughs> don't even worry about it. So let's just dive right in here. I've We have a ton of questions um, and mm -hmm. uh, a lot to talk about. So uh, I guess one thing that I want to cover first and foremost, you just signed Corey Herzog. Uh, it's Union Omaha. Can you talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, I mean, um, there there were two things that that we all felt uh, could really take this team to the next level, um, and one of them was somebody who can who can finish the the chances that we're creating. Not not that our current players can't do that, but somebody who is proven at this level and higher levels as a pure goal scorer and a finisher. Um, and the other thing we wanted to bring was some more experience um we we've got our experienced players but the core of our roster is is young and in the pro game pretty pretty immature um again not saying that they are um you know lacking in anything but time as a professional so uh cory herzog brings the, that finishing ability that background of scoring goals at at this and higher levels uh and then he's been a pro for, for a long time. He's done this for a long time. He's going to be great in the locker room. He's going to be great at training and he's going to push everybody that we have, especially those who are tasked with, with scoring goals. All of a sudden, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have to have to really earn their minutes now that there's a little more competition. So yeah, no, Corey, I think is a, is a great addition. And he's also somebody that Jay and, and, you know, Bob warming know so well from it, from his college days. And, and um, I'm really excited to, to see what he can do on the field for us. He's uh, I, I think he's going to be a really important signing for us uh, as, as was Luis Gill uh, a couple of weeks ago. So I like what we've done in this window. And I think, um, I think we addressed some areas that, that needed to be looked at and I'm, I'm pretty happy with, with the work we've done. Cool. Yeah. When we saw him play with Des Moines menace and the U S open cup, uh, we saw that he was a fierce competitor. We saw that he was a guy that could start with his back to the goal and he could turn and put some shots on goal. Um, and 
you know, he was a guy that created his own chances. So to see that come to Union Omaha's roster, uh, it, it's pretty exciting to see that he was signed. Yeah, and, and what we saw when he was playing for Des Moines in that one game was a player who had retired from professional soccer. Uh, and, you know, I, 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 can't, I can't speak to his, his thought process, but he, he had retired. I mean, it was not like, it was not like he was going to play for the menace to, to revitalize his career or anything. I think it was just, you know, maybe a, maybe a little payday and an opportunity to play in some competitive games again or a competitive game again. Uh, and he took it. He's been with Hartford for the rest, you know, since then uh, in the championship. And I, I think he probably discovered he wasn't quite ready to give it up after that open cup game. And listen, we're thrilled he didn't. Um, I think, I think he's going to bring a, a, a new dimension to this team. That's going to make us really tough to contend with for the second half of this season and, and hopefully playoffs. Yes. Oh, I was going to ask you too. Is that something that you guys want to actively do is to bring on players like him that can push some of these younger guys or maybe mentor some of these younger guys? Yeah. I, our, our experience group, our older group in the locker room, you know, even before Luis and, uh, and Corey is great. It is really good. Connor Doyle has done everything in this game um, and has played all over the world, all, all over this country throughout different levels. Uh, he's a, he's a phenomenal captain. Um, you know, we, we weren't lacking in leadership from him at all. And then if you look at some of our players who have just been with union Omaha for a little while now, uh, you're looking at Dalton, you're looking at JP, uh, knew who, you know, there's, there's a number of players who, who have really good experience, um, in league one and professionally in our locker room. But yeah, I mean, of course, if you get the opportunity to bring in a player that adds something on the field that, that I don't know that we were lacking or not, but, you know, certainly adds something on the field, uh, and brings, you know, decade plus of pro experience that's that's a great combo um so you know did we actively feel like we needed to get older no i i don't think that that was necessarily a a goal but if you get the opportunity to bring experience and other other you know traits try to take it absolutely mm-hmm. yep yeah it's awesome so to go from the uh club action and kind of go from a microscopic uh, outlook to more of a macroscopic. There was recently an interview that was done with uh, USL president, Jake Edwards. And in it, he talked about the idea of promotion relegation. You've been asked this time and time again, but I kind of want to ask you a variation on some of those, those questions that you've been asked in the past. And he said that he wants to have promotion relegation before the world cup in 2026. And from the rumors that we've all heard, there have been, uh, a laid out schedule for Union Omaha to move up to USL championship before 2025-2026. Do you want to have them in the championship before that uh, promotion relegated is installed within the USL pyramid? Or would you rather the team try to play up into the championship? Um, well, I, I mean... Yes, promotion and relegation does seem like it's probably coming in USL. Um, you know, a few years down the line, I know, I know, league offices are 
vocal about that. So I'm not, you know, I'm not breaking anything there. Um, I think that it in all likelihood is on the way. Um, but I don't think it puts any pressure on us as a club to be up by then or affects our decision of whether or not we want to be up by that date, whatever it may be. Um, you know, I, I think I've said this in, in numerous interviews and, you know, in press releases, our goal is to compete to win every single competition that we're in. Um, that goal is not going to change no matter what happens with our personnel. This club, that's, that's part of what this club was founded on. We want to compete to win every competition that we're in. So, you know, if we're not up in championship by the time that there is promotion and relegation, whatever that may look like, we're going to be competing to get promoted in, in that first year. Um, if we are there, we're going to be competing to win that league. You know, it's, uh, I don't think it affects our timeline at all, um, but it's, listen, it's an interesting story. It's a great, it's a great prospect. Um, doesn't, doesn't affect us. Have there been any financial studies to show how much the club may save with so many USL championship clubs that are in closer proximity to the club rather than USL one? Yeah. Our, our travel costs are astronomic. Um, yeah. it's, it's an enormous expense on the team side. Um, and despite the fact that there are more games in USL championship, uh, we'd still come out better just, playing in, playing in what, which, whichever conference we went to, you know, cause we're kind of yeah. right in the middle of the two, we'd still come out better. Um, if you're talking about travel costs, but that is only one light line item in a, in an enormous uh, and complex team budget. So it's something we've looked at we, we've done the math, um, but it's not necessarily a deciding factor. It's just one of many factors. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, so if we've listened to a few of your previous interviews um, and you've said that you've had three major goals in the next three to five years, uh, including a stadium, moving up to championship and starting a women's team. Um, are there any other goals that you guys have in that three to five year span of time? Yeah, well, there are plenty of, of I wouldn't even say smaller goals, but maybe less... Um, ambitious goals, I, I, maybe, um, you know, we, we, like I said, on the field want to win this league or whatever league, whatever competition we're playing in every year. That's, that's goal number one. Um, I think, uh, expanding our, our fan base and, uh, and expanding our, our average attendance, building on our average attendance, which is already strong, especially for League One. And even if you compare us to most of the championship, it's, it's pretty strong. Um, but we always need to expand that. Um, running a pro soccer club, even at the USL League One level, is a really expensive endeavor for our ownership group. And we need to keep building and keep increasing our revenues. It's... Um, you know, it, it, I, I hate to uh, to make this sound like nothing but a business because, of course, it is so much more than that. But it's also a business. And right now we really need to build on every single revenue category that we have. 
uh, because the expenses certainly aren't going down. So um, there are a ton of uh, revenue goals within the front office that everyone is working towards hitting. And, and frankly, we're our front office is running pretty well right now. I'm really happy with the direction that we're moving in. Um, but those are daily and monthly and, and annual goals that we need to be hitting. Um, you know, building soccer in, in the state of Nebraska, in the Omaha Metro and, and the state of Nebraska is, is very important to us as well. Uh, that was part of what the club was founded on as well, bringing professional soccer to this state, to this region, um, and, and giving the youth players, um, something to aspire to a clear pathway to the professional game. Uh, because if you don't have that, it can seem impossible. Uh, you know, I, I certainly didn't have that. And listen, I'm, I'm 34 now. It's not like it was yesterday, but, uh, you know, the path, the path to pros for people even 10 years ago was college hope to get drafted or, you know, take a shot going overseas probably before you're, you're ready for it. And, is difficult. So I, I think showing that pathway to the, to, to the youth that if your aspiration, if your dream is to be a pro, you can do so in your city, you can do so in your state. Um, you know, Yoscar Galvan proved that um, and, and others have. Um, so, so, you know, that's really important. And then something that has been uh, kind of paramount to our, how we view our success this year as a, as a front office and as a club um, has been how we can impact the community because um, year one COVID impacted, obviously that was just, it was almost a throwaway from that perspective. The players could not get out. Um, nobody knew what, nobody knew what was going on then. Last season we got to do a little more and we got to do some pretty good things, but this year, um, you know, we're, we're doing the eye surgeries. We're doing the gift of sight uh, for every, for, uh, that one's for every, is it goal or save? Because we're also planting trees with the Arbor Day Foundation. Eyesight is saves and goals is trees. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, partnering with, with those two organizations to help people and help, um, help our community. Uh, and then our, our partnership with the Special Olympics Nebraska and forward Madison and Special Olympics Wisconsin to form this unified series. Uh, you know, that's something that means so much to all of us. So um, we've got those goals that you that you mentioned, Brian, um, and we've got our goals on the field, our our, our points total, our, our place on the table, all of that. Um, but as the only pro team in the state, we have an opportunity um, and I would say an obligation to give back to the sport and the people that we can touch through it in this community and, and beyond. Um, so those are all, you know, really important goals for us too. So you say you're 34, but I got, I got to say your hairline makes you look like you're 18. Like, I mean, yeah, it looks good. I went to the salon uh, recently to get a haircut and I asked for the Peter Marlette. I was surprised by two things. The fact that she knew who you were and knew what your hair looked like. And then two, how quickly she started laughing at me. So okay, yeah. I had to, I had to quickly adjust to asking for the Charlie Brown. <laughs> you, you must have been going to a very specific salon because um, I, uh, I, I'm 
Listen, I, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I, I I spent some I spent some time. Uh, I, I'm trying I'm trying to be in there every two weeks. So <laughs> that's a good yeah. goal. I wish well, I'd be in it. there every two weeks. Another goal. Another goal that yeah, we're there. Gonna... You go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let me bring it back to uh, your goals and measures of success. Uh, there are different forms of success. There's uh, revenue, there's butts in the seats, there's on the field performance, there's merchandise. I mean, there's all kinds of, uh, forms of success. You mentioned you want to win every competition you're in. You also talk about the business side. What would you say is the most important aspect, uh, or in, most important form of success with the club? Well, clubs in Tough the U S don't cl clubs in the U S don't exist unless they are succeeding financially. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, there, that's really all there is to it. Um, we don't necessarily have to be, I, our owners don't expect to get rich off of ownership of this club. Um, but I also, they certainly don't expect to go poor owning this club <laughs> or, yeah. or any club. Uh, so, you know, that's just, that's a non-negotiable. We, we have to be financially stable. Um, but winning on the field, um, you know, once that's taken care of, that's the absolute base. And if we're not doing that, then, you know, then we're, then us, like every other club isn't existing in, in the U S at least, um, you know, then, then we want to win games. This is everybody from, you know, from our front office, the people selling merchandise, the security, you know, everybody is invested in what happens on the field at Union Omaha. And um, it's a more fun week in the office coming off a win and uh, or, or you know, the right draw, the right result. Um, it's a tough Monday coming off a weekend that uh, that we lost. Luckily, that's only happened twice this season. But uh, no, it it impacts it. It's it, everybody in that building really cares about the results on the field. Yeah. And one thing that you you can tell that the uh, people around the stadium really care. Uh, this is just a random side note. Whenever I go to home games and I go to fan services or I talk to some random person around Warner Park and I ask a question, if they don't know, they direct me to somebody who does know and they stay with me until that person comes over to talk to me. So that level of care is evident around the club um, and people are rushing around the, the stadium to address certain issues. So there's definitely an amount of care uh, within the club and it's, it's completely evident. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm glad to hear it's happening and I'm glad to hear that you're noticing because uh, that is something the day before every match that we have at home, we have a match prep meeting that, can go anywhere from half an hour to an hour and a half, depending on what we're doing with everybody who is going to be involved in any way in that stadium the next day. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're trying to get the, trying to make sure everyone in there knows the answers to the questions that are going to be asked of them the next day. And if they don't know exactly who does know the answer. So I'm, yeah. I'm glad to hear you're having that experience. Um, there are a lot of things I think we can improve on and I'm confident we will improve on from a game day experience standpoint. Um, but the efforts there, I, I think it's, I think it's coming along in a, in a direction I'm really happy with. Yeah. Game days aren't going to be the same without crystal. So if crystal, if you're listening, we love you. We miss you. Hope everything is good during your move and you're safe down there in Mississippi. Yeah, that was a, uh, 
tough loss, tough loss for everybody involved in the organization and the club. But um, obviously she did what was best for her and really what became the only choice for her. So yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, we, we missed her, but uh, I think she's doing all right. Cool. Yeah. So uh, I know we talked um, a little bit about fan engagement just now. Um, it's, it's a great way to kind of spread the word about the club and to get fans into the stadium. Um, maybe people that haven't been there before or uh, just word of mouth and stuff like what Rich said about the, um, the time that you have in the stadium. Um, you guys have team members show up for public appearance, appearances and various events, and you're doing your youth um, your youth clinics and everything like that. Is there anything else that you guys are looking at to kind of help embrace the fan community uh, within the fan base? Yeah. I, I mean, the, the big thing that we've been able to do this year that we really haven't been able to do in the past is get our players out into the community. Um, you know, the, the CHI health clinics that you just mentioned, taking those, you know, last year we were able to do, I think we were able to do three of them, but we did them at Werner Park. People had to get come to us and had to stay very contained. Uh, last Sunday, we were in Lincoln uh, with with some players uh, out there engaging with kids. You know, before every every one of those, I uh, you know do a little little quick speech and ask everyone to raise their hands if they've been to a game. Uh, and in Lincoln, you know, I would say it was a quarter of the group of hundred kids at best, maybe you know fifteen of them. So that was getting our brand and our players in front of in front of people that, you know, I, I think I think we I think we earned 100 fans or call it 75 or 85 if we already had 15 or whatever there. Um, so getting the players out is something that we did a little last year and are now really, really doing this year. And, and I've got to say, um I've been very, very impressed with our group of players and their not only their willingness to go out and do those appearances. Um, listen, it's it's in their contracts that they have to do that. They could be doing this a, a you know a very different way, um, but but their enthusiasm when they do go out and whether it is uh, you know our preseason season ticket holder um, season ticket member party or the CHI clinics when they're out there playing with the kids. Um, their attitudes have been incredible all year and we've, we've asked a lot of them. Um, and sometimes it could be argued a little too much in terms of public appearances. Um, and I'll definitely hear that, you know, I'll hear that argument if anyone wants to make it, but our (laughs) players, our players have been awesome. Um, so yeah, just getting out into the community. We're also, uh, Rachel Rhea, who, who wears, virtually every head in the front office. Um, but, and, uh, and Jenna Kniss, who sets up our community engagement, they, Jenna basically sets it up and Rachel along with Jenna, but Rachel primarily executes when we go out into the community and make sure it, make sure it happens. Um, even on, on times when the players aren't there, uh, you know, they'll be out in the community a couple times a week with a table, with some giveaways, with, some QR codes for our next games. You know, we're, we're getting out a lot. Uh, luckily our players are able to join us plenty, but we probably get out, you know, twice as much without the players on, on just weekdays. Um, so, 
just touching more people, getting our brand in front of more people um, and, and engaging with more people in the community is something that we've been doing this year that we haven't been able to and then haven't to the fullest extent in the past. Um, so I, I think just getting out there um, to every single thing that we can get to. And now that we've got Hoot, Hoot's getting out there too. We, I we had, saw that. Yeah, we, <laughs> we had to cancel a Hoot appearance yesterday um, because uh, whoever was inside Hoot probably would have died yesterday. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, he, the owl's getting out there. Have any of the guys come up to you and said, hey, the uh, new Grand Theft Auto is going to be coming out soon? I, You know, player appearances are just going to have to go by the wayside. <laughs> um, nobody's made that argument. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Plenty of arguments, just not that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so um, it's also here, too. Um, I know looking here at our attendance numbers for League One in general, Union Omaha's in a pretty healthy lead um aside from maybe forward madison's creeping up there a little bit but their attendance has always been pretty good um do you think there's a specific reason that we're the highest in attendance for this year um yeah i mean we we've been the highest in attendance uh since since year one um and and these are not uh the first couple of reasons i'm going to give are not ones that people are going to be excited about. Uh, but we have the biggest Metro in League One, biggest population, and we have the biggest stadium in League One. Uh, and in in year one, the COVID-impacted year, our local government was allowing the most people together in League One. <laughs> yeah. So so listen, the fact is those are all answers. They're not they're not um, the only reasons by any stretch. Uh, but we've got to take that into account when we pat ourselves on the back about how well our attendance looks relative to our league one opponents. And, and that's why uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to measuring ourselves in a, from an attendance standpoint and a, and a game day revenue standpoint, really we, we measure ourselves against championship more than league one um, because we feel that's a more, accurate representation of how we're doing relative to our, our, our real competition there. Um, Madison is, I was in Madison last Tuesday for the, for our game and the unified game. Um, Madison is killing it. And, and I, I don't know if you guys have been to that stadium, but it's, it's not an awesome stadium to watch a soccer game. And a lot of those seats are terrible, uh, <laughs> but they're full. There are people in it. Uh, that was a Tuesday night sellout for them. Um, and listen, I, I don't know if this is the case or not, but I think if they had more seats, people probably would have been in them. They, they've oh, yeah. done an incredible job. Mm -hmm. Um, so all that said, we are doing great. We do have a significant lead in league one. Um, those things that I just mentioned are factors, but they're not the only factors. We have a fan base that creates an environment that is unique to Omaha and um you know gets gets people who whether they're soccer fans or not are just looking for a, a night out something something new to do in the metro they're going to come and have a really good time and have a really 
unique experience that you're really not getting anywhere else here. Um, we have a fan base that is really passionate and really engaged with the team and typically create a, a great atmosphere. We have a winning product on the field, which certainly doesn't hurt in sports. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a good sports town. You know, traditionally, it's a good college sports town and, and pro sports is, you know, something relatively outside of the Storm Chasers and, you know, previously the Royals, uh, something relatively new to the area. Um, but Omaha seems to be embracing it. Um, we just got to got to get ourselves in front of more people. We need more people. If somebody comes out for one game and we we have the stats on this, they typically come out for more. So we just need to get people in that first time. And I, I think our product is going to hook most. Well, that leads me to a question that I was just going to ask because uh, you mentioned that impressive attendance in Madison, but there was an even more impressive attendance in Omaha uh, this past weekend against Chattanooga because there was the highest attendance for Union Omaha match this season um, of 5,167 fans. Oh, which is Rich, only 50... you let me do that. Man, oh, I was sorry, ready to man. jump in too. I know. Nah, that's all um, good. Only 54 people short of last year's USL 1 uh, finals, which was 5,221, which is the current club uh, record for attendance. So obviously, congratulations for that one. That's That's pretty dang impressive. Thank you. Um, so looking at that uh, amount of people that were in the stands, have you heard any feedback from those fans about their experience? Yeah, so a a huge portion of that of that number and and frankly, the reason that we got to that number as opposed to, more where our average is, um, which which isn't too far away from there, but uh, was because our group sales department did an unbelievable job and sold a ton of group corporate group tickets. Um, Greater Omaha Packing was the largest group sold by by Zach Zeiler on our team, um, and they brought out a a bunch of people, but b a very diverse group of people um, and a lot, a majority of them, a, a significant majority of them haven't been to a Union Omaha game before that. Uh, the game on the field, uh, listen, we scored a scored an injury time, absolute banger from Shivani Willis um, to tie it up. Uh, you know, red card, I think it was a pretty entertaining game for them to watch. I think we showed a, a good product on the field. Um, I actually think the atmosphere in the stadium was a little, a little tame for our standards. Uh, so I'm, I'm enthusiastic about the potential for a lot of those first time customers from those big corporate groups that we had, uh, to become fans and come back out. And I've heard, I've gotten good reviews, but I wish we had taken greater advantage of it. Um, they're, they're just felt like something was lacking there Saturday night. And, uh, and I think, I think we may see uh, it hurt us with our, with our redemption of, of future tickets from that group, honestly. So I, I want to counter with a little bit of uh, an explanation. So I'm a bit of an introvert, at least an introvert enough that if I were to go to a party that I've never been to before, 
I it would take me a little bit to buy into what was going yeah. on at the party. So I may be the person that was petting your dog or standing in the corner or cleaning your dishes or something like that. I might be that person. Um, so I, I can understand why some of the fans may have been a little tamer, like you said. I will say, though, it was really, really cool to see that they brought their own drums. They were wearing jerseys of their favorite soccer teams. I even saw an Afghanistan flag that was in the stands. Mm -hmm. I thought that was just so cool. So, yes, it may have been a little bit on the tame side, but at the same time, the diversity that you were talking about, I, I love to see that kind of stuff happen. Yeah, me, me too. And I, I should specify here, um, I don't think that they were the uh, I, I, I don't think that they were hurting the atmosphere. Um, I think uh, they did. A lot of them did show up with drums and noisemakers and yeah. flags. I mean, and frankly, in the early part of the game, up until we gave up that weak goal, uh, they were as engaged as anybody in the crowd. They were they were as loud as anybody, I thought. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I'm not uh, I, I don't disagree with with what you're saying there. I think that played a factor, um, but I don't think it was the factor yeah brian i don't want to take any more of your thunder when we're talking about attendance so i'm i'm, I'm gonna step back it's and okay. let you shine no it's okay um yeah i was just gonna jump on that too and um so my seats are in 105 so i have parliament to my right and then the group sales were to my left and there was a lot of times where both of them were loud especially at the beginning of that match like you said where both of those guys were going off and it was it was really nice to see and i'm a big a big atmosphere person so that was nice to see um but just kind of going back to the attendance thing too um is there anything that you guys are planning on doing on raising it awareness around the community and maybe bringing in more prospective season ticket holders next season yeah definitely well uh our marketing uh is is hyper targeted um I pe people, uh, I I've seen, I've seen some messages from, from people or not messages, whatever, emails, tweets, whatever it may be people who, who may disagree. Um, but we actually spend a ton on our marketing and it is hyper targeted to, uh, our, at least our digital marketing and our social marketing is hyper targeted to people that we believe will buy tickets to a soccer game. Um, so Hopefully we are reaching those people uh, online and I, I can say our analytics look like, look like we are, uh, we'll see how that translates to, to season ticket sales um, and just, you know, single game sales as well. Um, but yeah, our, our marketing efforts, we had a billboard last year and I think that was good for brand awareness. Um, but it, it was a billboard. It was terrestrial marketing. It was, uh, as untargeted as you can get, you know, other than I guess the, the location, but frankly, that location was picked more on price than, than anything else. <laughs> yeah. Um, so no, we, we've kind of switched our strategy a little to try to specifically go after those people that we think might come out. Um, that's going to make a difference. I hope. And uh, yeah, we're also Josh Sindelar, our, I'm sure you guys have spoken to him, our, our season ticket membership rep, our, our ticket services rep. Um, he's coming up with some really good, really creative ideas to enhance our season ticket memberships. Uh, 
Um, and we actually, Josh and I have a meeting to finalize those tomorrow. I'm really excited about some of the things that he's brought to the table that nobody else had thought of. And um, yeah, I think the, I think becoming a season ticket member next season is going to be more enticing than it was this season. Despite the fact that we, by, by even championship standards have a amazing season ticket following um, our, our season ticket numbers are way beyond league one, you know, just, just way beyond it. So can I just Venmo you now? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And to go along with what you were saying about uh, terrestrial uh, marketing, and it may not have been the best technique when it comes to non-terrestrial part, uh, marketing, if you're trying to speak about social media, how do you get outside of the algorithm and escape that echo chamber of social media and access more people? Yeah, listen, that is, uh, that's something that's very difficult. And, and our director of marketing, Justin Rolfus, that's, that's what he is tasked with figuring out. That's what he's tasked with doing specifically. Um, you know, and also, and also Morgan and Jack on our marketing team, um, and they run our social, uh, them too, but, um, it's paid advertising. It is, uh, you know, what one, I mean, paid advertising. Yeah. Um, there's, we engage on social really well with people who already like us. Um, yeah. we have amazing engagement with the thousands of the same people every day, you know, almost we, too good of engagement, right? <laughs> at times, at times. <laughs> never going to complain about that. That's, that's awesome. Um, but no, our marketing team, uh, and, and myself, we're tasked with, finding those people who aren't already engaging with us and getting in front of them. And, and yet that's, that's their main, that's their task. Cool. Well, speaking about filling some uh, butts in the, the stands, uh, you can do that by recruiting some players. And what are some of the major selling points that when you're speaking to prospective players, what are your major selling points about getting them to, to come to Union Omaha? Um, winning. I mean, listen, it's you, uh, we're not, we're not interested in players who aren't interested in winning and who don't want to come to a team that wins. Um, that's always going to be the, the first selling point, uh, history, albeit short history, but history of success. Um, you know, Jay Mims is a great recruiter and, um, you know, and a great coach playing for Jay people see, and we, you know, we've proven with the sale of Dami last year. And even just the players who moved up to championship last year, we've proven that if you need a springboard, if you need a platform and you're a player who feels that you're ready for the next level, you know, beyond league one, this might, this might be, and I'm, I'm, I think I'm being, um, maybe a little humble for the club there, this might be the best place to do it. Um, and I, I think we've proven that. Uh, we also, listen, it's a, Omaha's a fun town. Our players live in Blackstone. You know, Blackstone's an awesome neighborhood, uh, especially if you're if you're a young professional athlete. It's, a, it's an awesome place to live. Um, our training situation is a little tough. We're looking to remedy that in the next few years, but 
the facilities we play at are still great. You know, they're not our own. We're traveling, but you're still getting good facilities that you're training in. Um, you know, I, I think I think there's a ton of selling points, but number one is you're going to play for a club that is going to compete to win and that has shown that and has shown that it values that as much as anything. You're going to play for a coach who would do anything to win and a coaching staff that would do anything to win um, within the rules, of course. Um, and and you, you're going to have the backing of a front office uh, that cares, too, and a city that cares, too. Um, listen, there's, there's no denying that our attendance leading the league helps our recruiting. It's, you know, you could, you could go to MLS next and play in front of 10 people, or you could come here and play in front of several thousand who are going to love you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like you're kind of, uh, resurrecting the ghost of Raiders, uh, great Al Davis by saying just win, baby. I mean, listen, it's uh, it is it is hugely important if you are if you are a young pro player or frankly, any any pro player. Um, winning is winning is going to be hugely important. There are other factors, but the type of players that we want to find, like I said, want to win. Definitely. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, we've kind of already talked about it and in being winning and our attendance numbers, is there anything else that kind of sets us apart from the other teams that you think helps with recruiting? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really do believe uh, that the city is, is a, is a really big uh, selling point. Um, we treat our players great here and we spend a ton of money doing so, honestly. Um, they are fed very well. They're housed very well. Um, they are, they're treated well. Um, and this is, uh, USL is a small community. Um, players talk and, and it, it spreads. I think, I think a lot of our current players and our ex players are good ambassadors for the club. Um, and, there aren't many players who have played in USL that sign with another USL club that aren't calling somebody who's either played for that coach, played for that club, whatever it may be. And, you know, getting a, getting a rundown, getting a report about it. And I think we generally score pretty well on those reports and that helps us. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a combination of all those things. Um, but, but yeah, for me, winning, playing in front of a city and a fan group, fan base that really cares about what you're doing on the field and really embraces you and, uh, and playing for a coach like Jay, who has, has proven uh, that he's going to be one of, one of the top coaches and at whatever level he's been at so far, um, it's attractive. Players are going to get better here. Players are going to showcase themselves. Um, you know, scouts are going to come watch us play if, if, if the goal and, and it should be for many of our players and many of the players in this league is to move on. Uh, it's going to be a good, good place to do so, or at least prove that you deserve it. And to go off of what you were just saying, you were kind of talking about, um, you know, from the business side, sort of that asset management, that, that sort of player management. Um, have you seen, 
what kind of growth have you seen within the league? Also, even within uh, Union Omaha uh, during your time? Yeah, the league has made this such a point of emphasis um, for, for all the clubs. And it's, it's great because uh, I think it was, I think it was largely either ignored or undervalued or just done incorrectly in, in the past uh, throughout, throughout most, most levels um, uh, of USL and American pro soccer. Um, so the league has identified that and they have hired people, uh, Mark Cartwright, the new sporting director, new, he's been there over a year now, but relatively new sporting director of the league. Um, he is, he's been amazing. Um, the initiatives that he's made to educate ownership and, you know, executive decision makers at clubs at how important this development and, and asset value management is. Um, I think it's been eye-opening for a lot of people who did not come from that background. And for me, who was feeling that this was something that was lacking everywhere and was feeling that it was negatively impacting what I was trying to do, man, it's great to see the the importance the league is putting on educating everybody else. Um, USL League One, there's, there's virtually no market for a USL League One player. I mean, we, I, I can't speak numbers, but what we sold Dami for was four times the previous record. I mean, and it, and it wasn't a huge sum, like he was worth much more than what we sold him for, but it was, it, it reset the market a little bit. And I think other clubs are figuring it out. And I think we're moving in the right direction. Um, you know, an example of something that the league's doing, I was, I was on a call this afternoon on a zoom with the sporting director and CEO of, of Toulouse in France that, that the league had set up, that Mark Cartwright had set up, um, just going through their development system and how they protect their assets, their player assets. Hour and a half of that, talking to them. Those are set up certainly monthly, maybe more than that. And a lot of people, uh, a lot of decision makers at the league at the, at the clubs and within the league are on those calls every time. And we're all learning. Um, so I think there's a long way to go. I think that we need to trust one another to allow the market to reset. And we need to, and I'm saying we as general managers, sporting directors, whoever may be making the decisions on, uh, on player sales, uh, we as a group need to trust one another that, somebody's not going to give away a player anymore. You can hold on to that player and really protect that value and say no when an MLS club comes knocking and offering you an insulting price for a player. Hold out. Everyone else everyone else will do it too and we will reset the market. Um, that trust is building uh, and, the, and that market is, is building. But uh, I think the process that we're on as a, as a league is, is really good. And from a club standpoint, um, while, of course, we love to see all those players from last year go to the championship, and, and many of them, most of them, are having a lot of success there, um, I don't like that we only got paid for one of them. Um, our own, we need to mature in our own uh, 
asset management in our in our contract negotiations. Um, I mean, it's just, I, I think mature is, is the perfect word for it. Um, we don't want to be operating on, you know, two year cycles where we have a player for two years and, and then they leave or we have a large group of players for two years and then they leave um, for free. We, we want to be getting this right and, and protecting the value of our players through strategic contracts. So you mentioned a meeting with uh, France earlier this afternoon. And you also have a background with the MLS, uh, having been at FC Dallas. Have you noticed um, more trust, more bridges being built with the MLS or with uh, Europe as a whole? Um, I think that the trend this season, and this is coming, prim- this is coming primarily, if not entirely, from championship, uh, is uh, is to Europe. Um, I think there is still the culture between the leagues in the U.S. where MLS may feel like they should get a USL player for, you know, virtually nothing, just because that's how it's always been, because every player in the U.S. wants to play in MLS. um, And maybe the the lower division clubs haven't been great at protecting those assets in the past. Although you look at Diego Luna, you know, El Paso, they, they made some real money on him to to MLS. So mm-hmm. that is resetting. Um, but the European clubs, uh, they, you know, they, they see what a player's worth. They of course try to get a good deal on any player, but they'll pay what they'll play with. They will pay what that player is worth um, or, certainly closer to it in order to, to bring that person in. Um, so yeah, it looks like this year um, direct to Europe has been more the trend and I, I bet that'll remain the case for, for a little, but um, Diego Luna, I think was a groundbreaking uh, move for USL as a whole. And I think it's, you know, much like us holding out as long as we did and, really negotiating and fighting hard for a good deal with Dami from league one to the championship. I think, um, I think El Paso doing what they did is, is going to be a potential reset for the market for, for USL. So it's, it's great what they did. And obviously the club selling, selling their players to, uh, to the European clubs for huge sums, relatively huge sums. That's incredible too. It's you're you're seeing a ton of progress throughout the leagues in uh, in this department. I think it's because the clubs themselves are getting smarter, but I also it's absolutely because the clubs themselves are getting smarter. But the league has put such a huge emphasis on this, and it's I'm seeing dividends. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I know we've kind of peppered you with some very um in your kind of day-to-day style questions here so i think we wanted to jump into some maybe more personal questions here with you so we can maybe learn a little bit more about you here open up that diary so uh outside of soccer what what do you like to do to unwind and kind of just come down from the day um (laughs) outside of soccer yeah i'm trying to think of life outside of soccer Um, (laughs) 
I no. So actually, with with the exception of the past few days, because of the you know painful heat, um, my my wife and I we live downtown, and uh, I'm blanking on the name of it, but the new park that just opened downtown. Yeah, the Gene Lane um, Wall. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we walk our dog every night, again, with the exception of last night and, and tonight. Um, we walk our dog there, take her to the dog park, do a lap. Um, usually we'll stop somewhere at Old Market and, and grab something. Um, and that, that, that's pretty much nightly. Uh, and, and that's awesome. That's, you know, an hour or so every night that not in front of a screen, um, we're often talking about soccer, talking about <laughs> and work, but uh, you know, at least at least it's not not surrounding us. Um, that's that's great. Um, I am a I'm a big golfer, um, but I haven't been playing as much as I as I would like to, and as a result, my game is not where I would like it to be, and as a result, I hate golf. So um, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, recreationally golf, golf would be the thing outside of soccer, but, uh, yeah, the game's just not working for me lately. It's tough. And I, I know I'm just, I play in a men's league. I play in a once a, once a week men's soccer, soccer league here and my golf game and my soccer game are kind of the same. I, I know that I used to be able to do things and I know what it's <laughs> supposed to feel like and look like. I just can't do it right now, and it, it drives me crazy. <laughs> I know exactly so how that feels. I went to Top Golf with my brother last weekend, and it's the first time I played golf in like twelve years, and it yeah. was yeah, it's bad. Yeah, it, it's tough. It's tough, and soccer playing in the playing in the adult soccer league um, is a lot of fun, um, but. I, I gotta, I gotta get past the fact that I'm bad at soccer now. Cause it's just, it's hard. It's hard for me to do. I get so mad. I, 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 it, it's bad for my health. How frustrated I get with myself once a week in those games. So you averaged a goal, a game down in Australia. Yeah. That yeah, was awesome. That, yeah. That was a really fun season. And, um, you know, it, it was, I, I was always more of a, uh, setup guy. I was always more of an assist person. I, I scored some goals, you know, throughout college. I scored goals as well, but certainly never a goal a game, you know, um, since I was 13 or whatever. Um, so yeah, that, that was amazing. Um, being down there, playing in that league, um, living in that country, just experiencing something completely new, um, and getting paid a, you know, enough to live on to play soccer was that was my dream forever. So that was, that was, that was the coolest. Um, but I also, despite that success and there was a lot of it, I, I was good. Um, but despite that success, I saw how good I was and it was not going to give me the career that I wanted and that I always hoped for. So, you know, there were other contract offers in Australia, um, opportunities to go to other countries and, and keep, keep pursuing it. Um, but I was 23 years old, um, saw what my level was, even at, even at my highest capabilities, it was never going to be where I wanted it to be. And I came to that realization. Um, so I decided it was time to 
try to get on this path. Um, I, I decided I wanted to run clubs um, and that was not going to happen by bouncing around a different country in the, in the lower leagues every two years until I could no longer do it. Um, it was going to come by getting on the business side of, of sports and the game and getting that experience. So really hard decision. I am, you know, we've got a lot of players who are at, I bet our average age is just, it's just slightly older than I was when I stopped playing. Um, and man, I'm, I'm jealous of them. I, I am, I really respect these guys, uh, doing it and putting everything into it because it just, it was something that at about that age, I decided I, I couldn't do anymore and it wasn't the right decision for me. So, uh, you know, there's, there's always regret. There's always what ifs, but about 10 years ago, um, I decided I wanted to be sitting in this chair someday and, and, you know, that has worked out so far. So it's, it's hard to regret too much. So between your professional career, you decided to go back to school. You went to Switzerland, got your master's there. And now you're going for another master's with Bellevue University. Um, as somebody who is excited or is actually looking for opportunities to go back to school, I want to say that it's pretty exciting to know that Bellevue University is an option, especially as a season ticket holder. So, uh, you know, how's how's school going over at Bellevue University? Um I don't know. I, uh, I guess what, what's exciting uh, about Bellevue university, you can hype up about them. Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, their, their partnership with union Omaha is, is incredible. And part of that partnership has always been scholarships for, uh, for our players. Um, I don't know if I can publicly say how many, um, but, but scholarships for our players, and um, we've had a ton of players take advantage of that, and, and they should. It's, it's good. Um, Connor Doyle is a Bellevue student currently. Um, you know, you guys know his story. He was a Creighton student for, what, a semester before going over to Derby County. Um, so, you know, he's, he's doing his undergrad. Um, Yoskar, same story. This is a kid who had to make the decision between, you know, what were some some good college opportunities, college soccer opportunities and, and educational opportunities or fully investing himself in, in his, in his dream of, you know, becoming a top level professional soccer player. Um, he was able to make that decision without having to forego getting a college degree. And he's working towards his at Bellevue university. Um, we had, uh, Amir, uh, Amir, was drafted in MLS, uh, first player from UNO to ever be drafted, and left a semester early to, you know, one semester early from college to start playing pro soccer because that that's what he had to do at the time. He graduated from UNO uh, because of completing his classes at Bellevue. Um, you know, what, eight years after he left there. Um, and then, so... Uh, I don't know that this one's public, um, but Geo, uh, Geo this year tore his ACL in training. Um, Montesteoka, sorry, I'll I'll give the full name. Um, he tore his ACL. He's out for the season. 
Um, he's rehabbing. He's he's working really hard at at continuing his professional soccer career and coming back stronger. But I I drove with him. I drove him uh, over to KC for the Open Cup game because he didn't travel with the team and you know waste all that that time. Um, so he and I drove to KC and he he asked me about the Bellevue opportunities. We talked about it. He's starting his MBA uh, this semester. So, you know, he's, I was really happy and really impressed by, by him asking, you know, Hey, I'm rehabbing a few hours a day, but I still have all this time. Is there a way that I can, I can get a master's? And, and the answer because of our Bellevue university partnership is yes. So it's amazing to be able to, we've got these players who are driven to succeed and because of Bellevue, we're able to facilitate that and, and help them, you know, do that. Um, now the now you know we we helped uh, we helped broker this Bellevue's league wide relationship, and now every every team in USL has one scholarship that that they can give to players, and players are taking advantage throughout the league. I know it's not every team yet, but teams and players are taking advantage. Uh, for me, um, I am my master's in Switzerland. Um, I, I finished second in my class, and it, it devastates right. me. Um, but but the the person who finished first is a was a practicing attorney at the time, and is now getting her PhD over there. I I, I never stood a chance. Um, but you know, I was hyper driven and that was my sole focus was being the best at that uh now that i'm at bellevue that cannot be my focus because my focus <laughs> has to be being the best i can be at this job um i'm having a, a tough time much like being bad at soccer i'm having a tough time uh being a being a bad student at Bellevue. <laughs> it's brutal. I just, I just don't have time. I'm, ta I'm taking one course at a time and, and it's fine. I, I'm getting through it, but yeah. uh, do, doing the bare minimum is not something I'm accustomed to. And, uh, <laughs> and it's just forced on me. So yeah, I, uh, I, it's an amazing opportunity. It's something I had to take advantage of. It's something, you know, there's always, there's always more to learn and I am absolutely learning. Um, but I'm, I'm scraping, I'm, I'm skating by it's, uh, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> so just kind of looking back here at all the places you've been, I mean, you've been around the world. Is there one place that you haven't been to yet that you really, um, that I haven't been to yet? Yeah. There's hundreds. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's like, uh, give me the top yeah. two. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I could have pre prepped this. I could have had an answer to this ready to go, <laughs> and, I, and I didn't. This is on me. Um, did I hear uh, that you did your honeymoon in Cape Town? Uh, so not not Cape Town, South Africa and, and Mozambique. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, man, getting getting back to South Africa and or Mozambique. Uh, that, that could be it. That was, yeah, we did a safari, um, in cool. South Africa. It was the coolest thing I've ever done. It was amazing. Um, getting back to the great barrier reef. That was so, 
so when I was in Australia, after the season ended, there was another American on the team with me. Um, and we were living together, sharing a car. You know, we, our contracts included just enough apartment and car for two people to do everything together. So that's what we had to do. Um, so he and I, uh, after the season ended, had a couple months left on our visa and we rented a van uh, to live in for two months and traveled all throughout the country uh, and spent a lot of that time up, up, you know, in the, uh, in the Northeast, right, right on the reef and made friends with uh, guides with, with, scuba and and snorkeling guides and they would let us just kind of sneak on the boats every day with them uh with with everybody else so uh great barrier reef i I mean incredible like like nothing i've ever seen before uh and it's only getting worse every day because it's dying so getting back there getting back there sooner than later would be is definitely high on the list for me well peter we understand that uh we don't want to hold you too long. We really, really appreciate you joining us. Um, we value this conversation. We appreciate you taking the time to answer all the questions. Um, so thanks for for stopping by. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, as I said, I I thought I had an hour, but uh, really liked it. Happy to go over and, and keep going. So I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Peter. We really appreciate it. Well, as some bonus content this week, uh, Peter offered us 15 more minutes of uh, questions. So uh, sorry to bring you back into the fold, but at the same time, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, no, no problem. I uh, guess no empty gestures with you guys. You're going to take me up on it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess my first question right off the bat is... You've been to stadiums all around the world, and I've heard you say in previous stadiums uh, your your favorite spot to be. What sort of influences would you like to bring to Warner Park uh, to make the atmosphere even better? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think I've had so many good experiences in, in different stadiums across the world. Um, San Siro, the for for uh, for Milan Juve was incredible. While when Ronaldo was with Juve, that was the craziest atmosphere I've ever been in. That was that was the one that uh, felt the most alive. Um, but I mean, Craven Cottage is is absolutely incredible. Just the the history there, um, you know, Ajax, Sporting. Um, I think I think the one thing that uh, that all of those stadiums have in common, or uh, sorry, not the stadiums, but the the game day experiences, uh, and I mean Brian, I know I, Anfield even, and I and I have to say this, and I Liverpool is my least favorite team <laughs> in the world, um, but but I have been to Anfield, and man, the atmosphere is incredible, and um, when you hear. Uh, when you hear you'll never walk alone, um, there's nothing like it. There, there's you know, it, it's or three little three little birds in Amsterdam, or 
it's in uh in in lisbon at, at sporting it's it's my way um those those songs uh that the that the crowd sings um pregame as the players are walking out or you know whenever that timing may be um that is something that i would absolutely love to see but it's also something that has to happen organically just like just like anything else in in fandom um i'm not gonna uh, we're not gonna pick a song and say hey warner park sing this lyrics are on the board sing this song you know that's right. that's inauthentic that's the opposite of what we're trying to do so omaha um, crowning crows is out of the question <laughs> Listen, I I gotta say I get why people didn't want that song as the as the victory song. I, I totally get it, but I'm a longtime Counting Crows fan, and and sure. way way before I came to Omaha, that was that was a that was an important important song. I, I like that one, but yeah, yeah it's not it, it's not it's not the stadium song. No question. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but yeah, so so all those atmospheres, the the songs, the everything about it is is special but it's special because they created it um i don't i don't care what our traditions are or become as long as there are traditions um and it needs to happen authentically yeah definitely i agree with that 100 i will let you go with the liverpool slander though i, <laughs> I guess it's okay just yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not, I'm not saying they're, they're a bad team. <laughs> I'm saying I don't like them. Yeah. Yeah. So we see you walking around all the time, whether it's in the stadium, pre-match, anything like that. Um, you're always constantly wearing the walkie wire and everything like that. You're addressing issues. When was the last time you were able to attend like a Union Omaha match or any match for that matter? purely as a fan um union omaha match never um and and that's i mean that's even watching it that's watching it on espn you know that's never um because everything that is happening on the field affects me and and matters uh very much uh so um, and in the stadium, you know, home, home games are a completely different animal. Home games, the field is almost secondary to everything that's happening in the stadium. So I go home and watch a stream that night or maybe the following day if, I, if I'm if i tired. Um, but I'm usually pretty wired after those games. So typically <laughs> it's that night. Um, so no, Union Omaha game, I cannot watch that as a fan. Um, I don't see how it's possible. Sure. Um, I watch a lot that, you know, I don't know that I've been to a sports game as a fan since I started working in the industry uh, because I just look at things differently. If I, I went to a Creighton basketball game as a fan, not a, you know, I don't, I guess I was, you know, a Creighton basketball fan that day. Um, but I was looking at the, I was looking at the, you know, the advertisements in the stadium and, and thinking, why aren't they with us or what do we need to do to get them? You know, I don't, I don't go into stadiums the same way. I don't watch games. I, if I'm, if I'm watching a game on TV, um, Premier League and Champions League in Europe, I can watch those purely as fans um, because none of those players are, uh, 
are coming to League One anytime soon. <laughs> um, but I mean, listen, even if I'm watching MLS games, which I, I, I consume this sport nonstop. I am watching everything. Um, but a lot of the games I'm watching are looking at systems, looking at players. Um, you know, it's it's hard it's hard to just watch recreationally when you when you do this for a job and, and when you do it uh when you care about it as as deeply as i do um i i i want to be the best at what i'm doing i think by watching games in a in a particular way i can do that uh, or i can you know aspire to do that um, so no, I haven't watched a game as a fan in forever. I don't know. Bill's games I watch as a fan, um, all the They're time. supposed to be pretty good this year. Number one rated. Yeah. I like us this year. I, I like yeah. us this year. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we've been waiting for a quarterback for since Jim Kelly and, and we've got one and it's pretty clear that, that the bills have decided that that they're going all in this year, that, that this yeah. is the year to win the Super Bowl um, because we're going to be in some cap trouble next year. But man, they brought in some, they brought in some pieces to, to compliment Josh Allen. I think it's brutal to have to go to go through Kansas city to, to get to the Super Bowl and in, uh, in the AFC, but yeah. you know, but I, I think we're the, I think where we sit today, we're the better team right now. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, but Man, it's a tough team to have to go through. I have a buddy who is a uh, Bills and Sabres fan, so you guys will get along very, very well. Yeah, so the the Sabres are um, that that's my team. I hockey hockey. Uh, I, I was skating. There's pictures of me skating when I was, you know, just learning how to walk. Um, yeah, hockey was. I'm from Buffalo, New York, which is basically Canada, and. Um, <laughs> You know, it's, it's just everything. So uh, my grandfather had Sabres season tickets in 1970 in season one. Uh, my dad took them over uh, when when the time came. And uh, and I had shared them with my dad when I was living in Buffalo, uh, starting my career. And um, he actually, he, he got rid of them last year. It, you know, it's been... 50 years uh and he got rid of him last year and uh i don't blame him he i wasn't paying for him so i i don't i don't blame him because that has been a disgrace of an organization for the past decade um <laughs> but uh no the save the savers bills and savers but with me the savers just and they mean so much to me that's that's such a such an important uh part of my life is is being a fan of that team and um, they—that's hurt for a little while. The bills are <laughs> the bills hurt for most of my life, but they seem to have figured it out. Sabers, I think, are getting on the right path. I think they got the, yeah. the right head coach in there, and it's looking like the right GM. Um, looking like things are gonna things are gonna start going in the right direction for us. But man, that's been uh, that's been a painful existence since. I mean, for a decade now, so it's tough. They have a lot of youth and a lot of speed on their side, so hopefully. No. Things no get question. better for him. No question. Got got rid of some some locker room cancers, and uh, yeah. I think things are moving in the right right direction. But uh, yeah, we'll see. 
Uh, I'll watch Sabres and Bills games as a fan uh, every time. Uh, soccer games, I'm incapable of watching as a fan. So as you're watching as a soccer fan and as a former pro player, do you ever get the the urge to go down there on the field and just say, you know what, if you just plant your foot this way, if you open up your hips, if you get your laces on the ball, like get your, yeah. Do you ever uh, want to go down there? No. So, uh, no. For stuff, like that, <laughs> the, for stuff like that, the answer is no. I have no desire to go down and, uh, and try to play. But uh, when was it? It was the Tucson game. Um, when uh, the, the red card happened, uh, Connor got Connor got taken out, and Dalton ran in, and and Rashid ran in, and and you know there was you know some pushing. It looked like something might happen. Nothing really did. Um, yeah, I wanted to go in that. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to go in that uh, studs up. You know that was what I wanted to be on the field for. And that I can't I can't play the game anymore. No no chance. Uh, but Man, when I see when I see somebody go in a little too hard or a little dirty on one of our players, that's when I want to go in. Um, and and I've I've had to uh, I've been on the sidelines um, in between benches at some home games for for some of those moments. Uh, and it, it takes it takes some restraint not to uh, not I'm not going to run on the field, but not to say something at least sure. gotta yeah. maintain maintain you know some <laughs> some professional distance from it but man it's tough, tough. so <clears throat> being that we are league one on the rocks is there a favorite post-game beverage of yours after let's say a win a good win um so i've got just a little beer fridge in my office that basically the whole staff knows is, is available to them, you know, whenever, whenever they need it, um, that will be filled with whatever I go by. There's, there's nothing in particular. It's beers in that fridge. Um, when Gary's in town, there's typically some really good bottles of wine, uh, around. So, so I'll, I'll get involved in that. Um, but, uh, no, I don't think I have a, necessarily a post-game go-to it's it's a beer in the office with the rest of the staff who who wants to stick around and and unwind a little because the games the games are high stress so uh it's a, it's a good thing to be able to do with with those that want to do it sure so typically how long after a match a home match are you guys still at the stadium yeah it, it depends on um on what your role is. I mean, our grounds crew will be there for hours, um, especially if they've got to turn it into a baseball field uh, pretty quickly. They'll be there for 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 hours. Um, you know, their their night their night just starts when the game ends. Literally. Um, yeah, yeah, right. So uh, it depends what your role is. You know, security's got to be there till the refs leave. So our our ref liaison is there while the refs are filling out their league forms. Um, I will typically, my post game, ideally, um, is I'll get to go down and help with the field level teardown, uh, which is just getting that flooring and those chairs out, uh, for as long as I can, but it's usually not very long because I also, um, like to, and feel like I should feel like the fans feel like I owe it to the fans 
to be up when people are exiting and thank them for coming out and, and, you know, making sure they had a good time saying goodbye, um, making sure that players are getting over and, and signing some autographs. Although I mentioned it earlier um, with this group of players, community engagement is not an issue we have. They're all just such, such good guys. They, they go over, they see the kids, you know, standing in line for their autographs and they go give them, give them their time. Um, so I probably get back to my office an hour after the game. Um, and I'm probably in there just wrapping stuff up for an hour, you know, and nothing, nothing crazy. Um, last Saturday I got home around 1130 midnight, something like that. Uh, not, nothing. Crazy. Oh, that's not bad at all. Yeah, no, I, uh, there are others. There are others who are there later than I am. I'm, I'm not. I'm not leaving early. I'm. I'm working, but there's only so much. Uh, so much to be done unless you already know what you're doing on on the ground screw, and I certainly don't. There's no doubt that uh, there's dedication from you and Jay Mims uh, in that three to five year plan that we were talking about earlier. What's it going to take for both of you to stick around for those years? Um. That's a good question. And I, I am not even going to try to speak for Jay here. Um, but, but for myself, um, it's continued growth. Uh, the I'm, I'm 34, um, for the job I'm doing, I'm still young. Um, but I, I, for my own mental health can't stagnate. Um, I, uh, as long as we continue to move forward, as long as uh, those goals that we talked about earlier are still ahead of us and still being worked towards, um, I'll be con- I'll be happy. Uh, not not content. I'll be happy. Um, but you know, we got to keep we got to keep aspiring to to improve and to be better. And and uh, the second and this has just been the case in my career. Um, the second I feel like that aspiration stops or that that drive stops you know that's it's time to find it somewhere so um if we keep improving if we keep uh if we keep building and growing year over year could be here for my whole career um if we stagnate i probably won't be you know and 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 i i can't speak for jay at all on this um because I am positive that people are people clubs uh, are coming after him. They, they, they're stupid not to be, he's done nothing but win as a pro coach. Um, But guy loves Omaha. I I mean, he, he loves this city and, and these people. Uh, And um, I think it would take a pretty, I think it'd take a pretty enticing offer to get him to give up all the good things that, that he's got going on here too, as well. Um, but again, that's, I'm not speaking for him at all. That's, that's my interpret interpretation of it. So I feel like I would be doing the fans of this podcast, a disservice. If I did not at least ask, is there a forward Madison kit that you like? <laughs> <laughs> um, Best question so, all night. <laughs> yeah, so so I gotta I gotta say I am a longtime and really big fan of Hummel. 
Um, I, I just like the brand. I, I like the style. I, I, I'm a Hummel, big Hummel fan. Um, I like Greenville's kits. Uh, Madison, I, I don't think I like any of them. I think, I think they're all lacking. I mean, I, I don't know if they're trying to go too big with them or trying to do too much with them, but man, I, I'm a Jersey guy too. I've got, I've got a hundred hanging in my office. Uh, and I just, no, <laughs> no. And man, they've got a brand that I'd be all over. You even said in a previous podcast that you would even wear jerseys under a blazer to work. Yeah. And not a single yeah, one yeah. of those is a Ford Madison Jersey. No, come on. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, that was mostly, um, because I would spend admittedly too much money on jerseys, uh, everywhere we'd go, my wife started to question it. She started, you know, she was like, you know, these things cost a hundred bucks, whatever it may be. You buy one in every single city we're in and they literally, and at this point they hung in a closet, right? They weren't in, I didn't have, they, they weren't in my office. They were in a closet. Um, she's like, stop wasting this money. You never, ever, <laughs> never wear these. Um, so to, to prove her wrong, I started, yeah, wearing them under, you know, wearing them with suits to work. Um, so that was, uh, more, more a, uh, making a point than making a fashion statement, but, uh, yeah. You see, I have the opposite problem. Um, my wife says, all I do is wear all of my soccer jerseys mm -hmm. and, She's like, no, you got to stop. Sometimes you have to wear something else. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's, I'm, I'm sure there's a middle ground that, that we can get to, but uh, yeah, no, for, for me, it was uh, proof that I wasn't wasting money. Though, uh, so, <laughs> no, I mean, who knows? Maybe I probably was, am, but I don't know. I like them. So do you have anybody that comes in just to admire your jerseys? Just come in and start pulling them off the rack and just checking them out? Yeah, the players do pretty often. Um, yeah, it's you know it's a cool collection back there. Some of them, I, I've got my my jersey from Australia framed in the office and hung. Um, got some got some pretty good uh, some pretty good prints and and soccer art hanging throughout the office too. So uh, yeah, I think I think the players uh, when they see it. Um, like to like to explore it a little bit um because it's a big you know man i collect this stuff it's a big passion of mine it's a pretty it's a pretty good collection so it's uh if, if you're into it which obviously most of the players are certainly they've, they've dedicated their lives to the sport it's a cool one to come in and explore sometime sure definitely when you watch cristiano ronaldo uh play at san siro did you ever do the sioux celebration with him yeah no 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 well i was <laughs> listen he was playing for juve so i i definitely wasn't going to do that i, I and I, I was in the i was in the milan section with a friend of oh mine yeah that's a death so, sentence yeah exactly no <laughs> no i was not doing that um also i'm not a huge fan of the celebration so I don't yeah know that's yeah so no um but uh I am, I'm, I've been a Man U fan since I started watching 
you know, the game since since the game first came to the U.S. Since the Premier League first came to the U.S. back in the late '90s, I've been a Man U fan. Um, and Man that's Senior, why he hates you, Brian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but and seeing him score those goals for for United last season was was crazy. That was a terrible team. Yeah, uh, and and the argument can be made that part of that was on him and the system, you know, changing as having to change because of him. I'll hear that argument. Like I get it. Um, But man, he's, he's the reason that they, you know, that they didn't get relegated practically. He he was unbelievable. We'll see what happens this year. Um, I hope he ends up somewhere that he wants to be. Um, You know, he, he's earned that. I I hope it it works out for him. Um, I also think that United can probably be more successful having him leave amicably and, and building without. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he even left early after the last uh, exhibition. Yeah. I saw that. I saw that. I don't know. Um, not, not a great look. Um, maybe, yeah. maybe there's, I'm sure there's more to it that none of us know about. Um, but always. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. All right, last question. Who's your favorite Man U player of all time? Uh, there's a lot the of answers. boys. That, no, no, no. See, I, I, I got to go with what I, what I saw, what I know. Yeah. Um. So for me, I mean, David Beckham was, you know, in my in my more formative years as a young player and fan. Uh, he. He was my absolute hero. Um, and not I, just because of the calendar shoots? No, you know, that that almost that almost hurt it. Uh, although, <laughs> and, then, and then marrying uh, Marion Posh, marrying Victoria, Victoria Beckham. That helped. That helped. I mean, listen, that's, <laughs> sure. that, that's impressive. That was well done. Um, but no, I would I would train free kicks for, you know, an hour after training every day. It was, it was you know, that's all I wanted to be able to do. Um, so his passing range, um, was incredible. Um, yeah. he's probably my all time favorite there. Uh, but I also loved Roy Keane, um, yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo and his, I mean, this past year and, and those, those years at United as, as his career was just starting, um, he became the best player in the world, in my opinion, at least I know that's debatable, but in those final two seasons at United, he was unstoppable. That yeah. was incredible to watch. Um, so yeah, I, I could, I could. You're talking all them. the early 2000s Man United uh, players. That's my era, right? Yeah, that's, that is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, also, so uh, a keeper is never going to be my favorite player. Just you know, it's just not going to be. Um, but that's your natural uh, enemy. I don't know, you know, maybe, yeah, I guess. Um, but uh, but Fabian Barthez, um, I actually, I, I've never been starstruck by anybody. Like I've I've met some people that I should be starstruck by, and I and I've never, you know, had had an issue having a conversation. Um, when I was living in Switzerland, I was in a grocery checkout line, and Fabian Barthez uh, was just in line next to me getting groceries. Um, and I panicked. I had to walk away. 
I, uh, I, I just something something about about his aura. It, it just I, I panicked, um, and uh, I dragged my wife around the city of Lausanne, Switzerland, for about three or four hours after that because I felt I had missed my opportunity to talk to him. Uh, we went to all the all the best hotels, all the best restaurants, all the places I thought he might be hanging out, and uh, didn't run into him again. That was that's that's a regret of mine. Somehow. Yeah. Somehow I just couldn't uh, couldn't say hi. I don't know. That famed '98 World Cup goalkeeper, man. That guy <laughs> yeah, was awesome. I, I know, I know. Um, yeah, it was it was weird though. It was I I I got out of line. It was it was strange. <laughs> I never, I never <laughs> you had performance anxiety in the moment. You know that's okay. It I, happens to everybody. I guess so. It I mean, part part of it was I I felt like I. And this was stupid too, because he obviously speaks English, but I felt like I was going to have to speak French, and I didn't have a ton of confidence in that. And then, and then I like realized, like, wait a minute, he played in England for ten years. <laughs> the guy speaks English. What am I doing? Yeah, yeah. Well, Peter, you promised us fifteen minutes, and you gave us close to thirty. So we really appreciate yeah. your uh, uh, your generosity and granting us those extra, you know, uh, several minutes. So. Thank you for joining the club and thank you for answering our questions. And uh, we really appreciate you, you being here with us. Yeah. Happy to do it. And um, yeah, wouldn't have, wouldn't have granted the extra time if I wasn't enjoying it as well. So thanks guys. Good job. Awesome. Thanks, <laughs> thanks Peter. Peter.